Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the many and varied challenges of life. Our guest today is the amazing Julianne Sullivan. Julianne Sullivan works with organizations that want to create a workplace environment where people are productive, engaged, and appreciated. And that is a, a great, 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 great thing for employees, uh, for our companies, for everyone involved. She's known as the Attitude Enhancer. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> uh, Julianne is a professional speaker, trainer, and advisor, and is the founder of Learning Never Ends, a company whose purpose is to create a more positive culture one person at a time. She is a professional member of the National Speakers Association, uh, the largest and most well-known association for speakers. She's also an accomplished author. And Julianne's ultimate goal is to create the best place to work for all involved, both internal talent, customers, and the community. Welcome to the show today, uh, Julianne. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm very happy to be here. It's an exciting topic for me, something I've studied a bit more in the past month. I have another interview next week with a, an owner of a company whose big focus is corporate culture. And uh, you probably know the statistics better than me, but there's a lot of employees out there that don't like their job or aren't engaged in their job. Um, that's not good for an employee or a company, is it? Well, it's not good for an employee, and it's not good for a company, and it's also not good for the people who are dealing with that company. So customers and clients feel that, and um, your the statistics that are out there, um, the statistic that's running around right now mostly is from a Gallup poll. And what they showed was that there's three types of employees. There's disengaged employees, not engaged employees, and engaged employees. And I personally gave them other names. So my disengaged employees, I call them toxic employees because a lot of times they, they really suck the energy out of a building pretty fast. And um, there's about 18% of those people out there. Uh, sometimes company knows it, sometimes they don't. And then there's about 30%, and the 30% um, are engaged, and they really have an eye own it attitude you know they're really a part of the company and they believe what the company does and and i feel that the for most of people to get there that really is the job of management and leadership that people know what their value is and then there's about 52 percent out there uh, gallup calls not engaged i call them drones and we know these people right they go to work and they do whatever they have to do to get through the day, and then they go home. But they're not creative or proactive about the company or their job or their future. They're just kind of going through the day. And what the research has found is that when people 
are happier at work because their company cares about them and does things to make sure that's the way they feel, these people move over into the I Own It village and they're the people that go out and talk well about your company and they have a whole different attitude towards their coworkers at work to their relationship with their management and leadership team and also with the people they're dealing with, whether it be customers or clients. You know, Tom, you walk into a restaurant. Haven't you ever done this? You walk into a restaurant, you sit down for something to eat, and the server who's serving your table, you just know they're going to make it in life, right, because they just have this great attitude. They don't have the best job in the world, but they have a great attitude. Right. And I was recently in one like that with my wife for our anniversary, and I was like, wow, this person could be doing other jobs. They're just so positive and so lively and so fun. I met a guy like, like that named Dan, and he was taking uh, articles from me for Goodwill. You know, just outdoors, Ooh. just taking things out of people's cars. And I, I actually went back. And took a picture of him and said, can I write about you? Because you have such a great attitude in a job most people I know wouldn't want. Right. And I said, why, why, do you, why are you like that? What makes you like that? And he said, well, if I have a good attitude, I also have a better attitude. Mm. Nice. <laughs> I yeah, like I thought that was fabulous. Wow, very, very neat. Now, Julianne, uh, I am always interested uh, because Napoleon Hill's number one success principle is definiteness of purpose. And I imagine when you grew up, your parents weren't uh, telling people, our little Julianne is going to be a workplace uh, environment specialist helping people to build organizations that are productive, engaged, and appreciated. No, they uh, weren't. And probably, and probably you didn't say, Mom, when I grow up, I want to help companies with their corporate culture. So how did you get to where you are working with organizations? Oh, wow, that's a fun that? story. Uh, well, <laughs> so I started out, my undergraduate degree is in developmental psychology, And the study of psychology and how we develop as humans and then me going to many life classes, right, because I grew up in the 70s in Southern California, made me a lifetime learner about human behavior. So every day I deliberately learn something about myself or human behavior outside of myself. And I do that to continue to learn what makes us all tick. Uh, I pride myself because that makes me better at dealing with my audiences when I speak and talking to people and training people. And so anyway, I did that for a while, and then I took a break, and I moved to the mountains and lived in the eastern Sierras for seven years and just had a great time, did a lot of different jobs. And then, believe it or not, I came back and got my MBA and became an accountant for decades. And I did that, and then I didn't want to learn any more about accounting, and I don't care what you do, you have to keep learning. 
And I had always given presentations. I was, I am a certified Toastmaster, and I was looking through a file in my file cabinet called Fuzzies, which is where I keep nice things that people write to me. And there were all these great accolades, great presentation. We really liked it. I learned this. I learned that. And I don't know, a light bulb went on. I had an epiphany, whatever you want to call it. And I went, I want to do that. I want to be a professional speaker. That was in 2009. And so I haven't looked back since. Neat. And kind of uh, kind of some interesting parallels. I took accounting for a while, too, before I figured out that, hey, I like sales more than accounting. <laughs> uh, but as you say, you got to keep learning, keep learning, and, and then use the skills that you have into whatever you're taking into your next venture. Absolutely. And they everything crosses over. Right. Right. Exactly. So now, everything uh, I learned in accounting keeps me very organized in my business. Excellent. Let's uh, talk about your happier workplace concept. Uh, I was on your website. I noted one of your affiliations is the World Laughter Tour. (laughs) I'd like to be on that tour. Uh, That was great. When I first started out my speaking career, um, and I was starting to think about working within companies and changing their environment, this was really a couple of years before it became a very hot topic, which you can find things published in, you know, Harvard Business Review and Fortune and Time and Inc. and Fast Company now almost every month on that subject. Mm -hmm. But I like that concept of happier workplace. And there was a couple of, an article in a newspaper about a lady who taught laughter at a local library. So, I called her up. She was home. She had me call somebody else. And by that afternoon, I had signed up become, to become a certified laughter leader. And that was a great experience. It taught, and I went out and started to do laughter workshops and programs for all kinds of associations, uh, senior homes, And then I got the opportunity to go to a McDonald's district office outside of Philadelphia um, and do a laughter program for them. And that was the first time I did it in a large corporate setting like that, and it was fantastic. Uh, That is very cool. Laughter program or what was it what's the was it a laughter program or a happy yeah it was program? a laughter program i named it laugh off and live well wow that would be a fun program to deliver it's very fun to deliver it's silly but it has really good meaning to it so it allows mm-hmm. people to get out of themselves a little bit you wouldn't want to do it in the middle of you know your year end review of a company <laughs> But it's great for, like, retreats. When I did it at McDonald's, they were giving out their bonus checks, and they were having, like, an all-day party. Some of it was a review of where they'd been in sales or whatever, and then I was the entertainment, so to speak. So in that respect, it works really well. But there are some really good lessons in there 
called Good Hearted Living, which is six different ways in which to enrich your life every for every day of the week and one for the weekends. And I'll give you a hint. The one for the weekends is the weekends are for chocolate. <laughs> but the idea behind I want the that is program. <laughs> yeah, but the idea behind that is to be good to yourself. So there's some really good lessons in there too. So while people are having fun and they're laughing, there's some very good ideas for them to take home with them and utilize on a daily basis. Nice. Outside of work as well as at work. Exactly. In fact, part of my uh, work happier, how to inspire an engaged workplace program is the importance of humor at work, and so how to important. do that in an in a in an effective way. Neat. Okay. Yeah. Because you can't just say, "Okay, we're gonna have a more laughter around here. The beatings will continue <laughs> until the laughter increases." <laughs> more laughter, darn it! Someone... More laughter. More laughter, yes. Hey, you're frowning. Start laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, so you know, it's funny you say... There has to be an organized say, way to do it. It's funny you say that because... Um, uh, I actually, when I was doing taxes for a while, in a new company, a partner came up to me and said, you're not working hard enough. You have too good of an attitude. <laughs> I didn't stay there very long. Right, right. It's like, wow, okay, I'll see you later. But everyone's picked up on it. I mean, NBC is having Red Nose Day on May 21st. I don't know if you've seen that. (laughs) No. But, um, yeah, there's going to be a national Red Nose Day on uh, NBC. I don't know if everyone's going to wear red noses or what, but that's what it looks like, so... That's going to be an interesting day for them. Now, Julianne, you talk about the trifecta of success. So tell us what's involved in that trifecta, because I want to bet on it. (laughs) Well, the trifecta of success is an idea I came up with to break your day up into three distinct portions. So Mm -hmm. the first is envision that's the first part of the trifecta and the idea is when people get up in the morning they have so much power over how their day is going to be dependent upon what they do first thing in the morning so within envisioning i talk about mindfulness and intention. If you get out of bed in the morning, you go, oh man, this day is going to be foul. You know, it's pretty much probably going to go down that trail. It's really hard to get it on a positive bent if that's what your mindset is. Right. And contrary to that, if you wake up in the morning like I do and start your day by being grateful and appreciating what you have in your life and taking the time to center and focus and have an intention, a positive intention about your day, whether it's I'm going to listen more today, I'm going to be 
more mindful today. I'm going to get, I'm going to straighten out that drawer that I'm always putting on hold today. Whatever positive intention you pick, and it doesn't have to be huge, that motivates your whole day. And we as human beings have a lot of power over that, and I think many of us give it away. So that's what right. Envision is about. Nice. And I like that part. Uh, uh, my wife calls me the word police because I don't let her talk. Uh, this, things like, it's going to be a tough day, or I'm exhausted to start the day. Like, no, no, if you say that, then you're just like inviting your mind and body to experience that. And so it might be in your head, but don't voice it in words. Yeah, I think words are very powerful. I totally agree with you a thousand percent. So when I'm with someone, they go, and when people, and people say this all the time, they say, oh, my back's killing me. I always say, oh, please don't say that. Right. Because your brain can hear what you're saying. And it's telling your brain, focus on that pain, focus on that pain. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Anyway, so that's that's the first part. That's envision. Then the second part of the day is experience. And so many times you take all these drones, as I call them, they don't really experience their day. They just go through it. And many of us just go through our day. We're not really thinking about what we're doing or how it's affecting ourselves, the people around us, or the world around us. And so there are many parts to experience, and I can talk about a few of them. One of them is better communication. Now, we just talked about the power of words, so it's it's so important for us to be mindful of what words we're using, not only to ourselves but to other people. <laughs> I'm sure you've had the experience where you may tell somebody, oh, I, I need to get a root canal done. And someone will walk up to you and say, oh, man, I got a root canal done. I was sick for two weeks. <laughs> you wonder sometimes, and you're telling me this because... Right, but, this is going to help me somehow. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> I think we have to be really careful about how we communicate. Uh, communication is really one of my strong areas of expertise. And the interesting thing about communication is that the most important part is not speaking. It's listening. Mm-hmm. And many of us don't know how to do that well because we were never taught. Right. So husbands um, could be taught this, I know for sure. What's that? Husbands could be taught this lesson (laughs) as well as business people. Well, they're fixers, you know. That's that's a whole other discussion. But uh, so communication is very, very important and just kind of seeds into so many different parts of experiencing your day. Another part, um, I talk about 
different kinds of behaviors, you know, things to enhance and things to maybe decide should not be a part of your repertoire or repertoire at work. And one of the things that happens at work many times is people get into cliques. Uh, they don't do it to be mean. We're, that's how we're built. We like to get into little circles as human beings. And so it's really important to make sure that we're not isolating people, even if we're not doing it on purpose. See, I think that everyone, every human wants two things. They want to be acknowledged. They don't want to be invisible. And they want to know they have some worth. And I was just doing some research on millennials, and millennials absolutely demand that they know how they have worth and how that fits in to the work that they do. And I think that's a good thing uh, because I think it's it's bringing that to the forefront. It doesn't mean you go around every day and go, hey, you're great. Wow, everybody gets a prize. I don't mean that. Right. But a lot of times when I'm talking to companies, and let's say we're talking about somebody who's on the phone doing a good job, and I will say, and do they know that? And sometimes the answer from leadership is, well, yes, we tell them in their yearly review. But that's not enough. Right. That's too late. And it doesn't have to be formal. You could walk by someone and say, wow, I heard that call. You did a great job. Boom, done. Walk away. It took five seconds. Now that person feels like they're appreciated, they're doing a good job, they have more self-worth, they treat other people better because of that. Everything, I always say I'm a pebble in a pond kind of girl. You know, everything we do affects everything else. You know, there's the old story about the guy who gets yelled at at work and he goes home and he kicks the cat, right? And mm. but that's what we do in life. So if we bring negativity into our life or if you put negativity into somebody's life, then that spreads. If you do it with positivity, then that spreads. Um, so isolation is one of those things that's really important, not only with with just one person, but many times in a company where there's different divisions, there's a sales team, there's a marketing team, there's people in production, they get separated as well. And it's really important to have activities, whatever that may be, and that there's there's many different kinds of activities they can have, but that they bring those people together so they get to know one another because they're all working for the same company. They're all working, you know, to do some task, to do some service. And the days of keeping everybody so separate doesn't work as well, we know now, as if you bring them together, even if it's a company picnic once a year, you know, that just brings people together and lets them, not only that, but in many businesses, uh, in accounting firms especially, and law firms is the same way, and I'm sure other companies as well, they have different departments that sell different services well if none of those people ever cross over they can never bring work to the other side so you might have somebody out at a client's office 
where you have you see something that another department in your company can help them with, but unless you really understand what what each other does, you would mm-hmm. never know to do that. So the company can't grow as much as it it would normally be able to because Bob is out at ABC client and he's going to come back to the office and talk to Jamie and say, Jamie, I think what you're doing in our company will help our client over here. And so mm. you can expand on that. So isolation is more than just one person being a part. It could be departments. Right, right. Neat. So that's, that's about, a bit about experience. Right. And then the last part is? Exhale. <sighs> Explain that part. Many, many people work and have their mind running until they pass out. They never, ever take the time to reflect on their day, to meditate, to exercise, whatever it is that is for them. And again, many people run around and go, oh, I don't have an hour to work out. Well, how about two minutes in a chair? Just sit. Just look at your day. Reflect on your day. Forgive yourself for whatever it is you didn't get done. So many people get to the end of the day, and that's all they do. I didn't get this done, I didn't get this done, I didn't get this done, and I didn't get this done. Instead of, I did this, and that worked out pretty well. And I looked into this, and now I know what I need to do further. That's a big part of experience that we definitely don't do, but we could do it in exhale, is celebrate. We're always beating ourselves up for what we don't do. Well, what about the celebration? Even if it's just, you know, I clean, I I planted a plant today that I've been wanting to plant. I cleaned my teapot. It's so dirty. I've seen it for weeks, and I finally cleaned it today. It doesn't matter what it is. We should be celebrating what we do. So exhale is taking the time to reflect on the day and just, being so mindful that we literally just stop, even if it's just for a few minutes, and leave the day behind and get into a space where we can sleep well and wake up and start a new day with another good intention. Mm. So that's the trifecta of success. Envision, experience, and exhale. I like that exhale part. For sure, my brain is running all the time until I decide I should be sleeping. And uh, we really do need in this world to exhale uh, a little bit and enjoy life. And so, great. I like those three points. Now, let's talk about you also have another uh, thing that you teach is the seven practices for a happier workplace. And... uh, valuable and so many companies need this so i don't know if we have time for all the seven practices but uh, go through a a number of them and explain them to us and and our listeners uh what you're what you're talking about in that happier workplace uh session that you teach 
Sure, and I can go through these real fast, and I will tell people that my name is Julianne Sullivan, and I'm on LinkedIn, and there's a copy of this on LinkedIn um, that you could download yourself. I also have lots of information on KiwiLive.com. It's K-I-W-I-Live.com. And if you put in the password Julianne, J-U-L-I-E-A-N-N, there are you know free resources for you as well. So the seven practices for a happier workplace is a way to create a happier day. But the trick is... You need to display it and read it daily. And here's what they are. The first one is is it starts with you. It's not anybody else's responsibility to make you happy at work or happy in your life or, or happy in a relationship. It's really up to you. Number two is find gratitude right in front of you. Many of us don't think, I don't think we're ungrateful I think we don't think about the fact that when we walk through a door, we have feet to do it. Mm. Or that when we have our favorite cup of coffee in the morning, we can smell it and taste it, not to mention we have the money to buy it. I can spend all day on gratitude, so I'm going to move on. Number three is celebrate what you accomplish. And I think that's just so important. And there's a whole way in which to do that. You have to write down what you want to do. You have to check it off. You have to celebrate. Mm. Uh, I think we should celebrate as much as we beat ourselves up. Let's put it that way. Number four, assist a colleague. The reward is always in the giving, no matter how we give. And helping a colleague out um, is always a good way to Uh, feel good about ourselves, and feel good that we help somewhere else. It is very useful in companies when they have a mentorship program going on. This is one of the things that really helps the differences in generations that are working in companies now because the baby boomers like to be mentors and the millennials like being mentored and getting the information. So that works out really well. Uh, Number five, create a learning opportunity. Every time we say, hey, I'm going to learn something new today, again, doesn't have to be huge. I'm really into baby steps. But, again, it's a celebration. Wow, I learned something new, or I wanted to know something. And, geez, you can find anything you want on the Internet, right? (laughs) Just Google it. Right. Um, So... A lot of times, instead of asking someone else, I will try. My son's a geek, and whenever I fix something going on in my computer by myself without calling him, I get really excited, <laughs> you know, that I I found a way to do it on myself. It's usually an eight-year-old on YouTube that's telling me, too. All right. <laughs> Number six is find something to laugh about. Sometimes you just have to find the funny in things. You know, so when the copier breaks down for the eighth time in a day, you can lose your mind or you can just laugh. Right. It's up to you. And then the last one is don't forget to breathe. I think breathing <laughs> is really underrated. My father says everyone dies of shortness of breath. 
They just stop breathing. <laughs> yeah. So we need to, you know, breathe. When you're younger and you're mad, people say, oh, count to ten, right? So you don't say anything that offends anyone. Right. And we should repeat these uh, lessons as adults. They would uh, benefit us in our communication with others. And breathing is just good. It just it makes you stronger. It makes you think better because more oxygen is going to your brain. And, again, it's just one of those things we don't think about. But sometimes before you're going into a meeting, the best thing to do is just do some deep breaths through your nose and out through your mouth a few times makes a big difference. So that's the seven practices for a happier workplace. Nice. I like those. I like those. And uh, I should have told people earlier, we should have told them earlier, but your website, which is your name, which makes life a lot easier. So julieannsullivan.com. All I really need to know is that Ann is A-N-N. So julieannsullivan.com. Yeah, and if they can't uh, get that, they can always do Attitude Enhancer, if that's easier for them. All right, it goes Attitude to the same Enhancer, yeah. Enhancer.com? Yep. Nice, okay, I like that. And uh, that's a great domain name to have as well. So either com or AttitudeEnhancer.com. I just tried it, and yep, I ended up at the same spot. So good for you. <laughs> nice, and then you also have a book out, A Little Bit of Gratitude Goes a Long Way. Uh, I am big on gratitude. When I talk, I remind people that four out of ten people in the world live on less than $2 a day. And if we live in North America, we are globally blessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the people if the people who live on $2, less than $2 a day, they're as nice as you and I. Yep. Uh, why did we get to be deserving to live in North America and they got to live in a third world country no matter how? motivated you are there, you're still going to earn $2 a day. I always tell my audiences, I always tell my audiences that everyone in the audience is living in abundance. In my audiences, they are. And I remind them of that. Anyone who's going to any of our seminars, they they live in abundance. Mm -hmm. They should be be grateful for it, for sure. Well, I think gratitude's like anything else in life. We need to learn how to have more of it because we've never really been taught. And right. it's not on the TV screen or the movie screen or the magazines that we usually see or, you know, the light-up signs in New York and Times Square. These things... It, it's it's coming in slowly. In fact, in New York, there is a big billboard that says gratitude. But I wrote the book, A Little Bit of Gratitude Goes a Long Way, because I went through a very dark period in my life. And I had been teaching gratitude as a part of the good-hearted living, part of uh, Laugh Off and Live Well. And I finally let gratitude find me. And... Uh, The book is set up so that I talk about a particular area of gratitude, like clean water, and then I give the reader an opportunity to do an exercise about that. 
So I found mm. 30 different areas to be grateful for. I told mm. my story about it and then um, have an exercise for the reader to do. And, of course, as their life changes, those exercise changes too. So they could do it over and over again and always be different. Wow, and it's written in a workbook style uh, so that uh, they don't have to go find their journal or another piece of paper or anything Correct. like that to do the exercises. They can do it right in the book uh, because it's workbook style. And I think yeah, I even read it spiral binding, so it's pretty easy to turn over the page and write in it. Yeah, they can get the spiral bound is the deluxe edition, and they can get that from my website, or they can get a uh, soft cover edition on um, Amazon. They can also get Work Happier, How to Inspire an Engaged Workshop in a CD set on Amazon as well. Neat. And I see on your website you have a free happiness at work survey. I do. It's uh, very valuable for uh, companies and people. I have partnered with a company called Happiness Works in England, mm -hmm. and one of their partners and big users of this survey is Zappos. And, wow. And I figure if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me and my clients. Um, it's a very comprehensive survey because it talks about a person, all the parts of their life. And I like, it's a very comprehensive results that they get. And one of the reasons I really like it is because it comes back to you in numbers, in words, and in pictures. So depending upon who you are, you get the results the way you like them the best. So what I can do with that is I can go into a company and we can schedule to have a department or everyone, whatever audience they want, to take it for a specific period of time. And then I can turn it off and I get all the results anonymously so they can get a good picture of what's going on in their company. And then they can work towards fixing areas that might need some work, and then go back and take it again. So the survey can be turned on and off so people just aren't taking it every day. They're only taking it at specific times. Wow. And, yeah, if it's used by Zappos, uh, that means it's usable by any company because they Absolutely. are world-renowned for corporate culture. If you think of Zappos, most people, or a lot of people, don't even know what they sell, but they will know that they have an amazing corporate culture. Right, right, and customer yeah. service. Customer service, employees, the culture, the people that work there love working there, and that's yeah. what made Zappos grow like crazy. And so... Uh, take this survey because, uh, man, it's, if it's used by those kind of companies, you know it's well put together. And you have here, click here for your free happiness at work survey. This could reveal a lot to management, couldn't it? Oh, absolutely. Because a lot of times management just thinks they know what's going on, and uh, but they don't know really. And this survey is based on about 12 years' worth of research, so it wasn't like, hey, let's get together and think of some questions to ask. 
It was mm-hmm. originally put together by a man named Nick, N-I-C, Marks, M-A-R-K-S. You can Google him, and he worked for a financial foundation in the U.K. for many years. Uh, so this is based on uh, lots of research, and now they have uh, representatives for them all over the world uh, using this survey, which is just adding back to their research. Wow, and that would be a great place for companies to start with the free survey and then sit down with you and say, okay, what does it show? How could we work on this? How can we work on that? Um, so I encourage people to go to your website and sign up for the free Happiness at Work survey. Uh, it's important. And that way they'll also be able to uh, sign up for the um, blog as well. Right. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today, Julianne. This is an exciting uh, topic. It's a topic that affects everyone who works. Everyone who works uh, works in a culture of some sort. And uh, if it can be improved, if they could love what they do, and if management can be more uh, uh, aware of how to create happiness in the workplace, you can really affect the bottom line with the work that you're doing. Oh, and that has been proven in research, too, and is one of the things that I go through when I do uh, this three-hour program of Work Happier is specifically go through and show the research and the money saved from people not – people are healthier. They don't get sick as often when they're happy at work. Right. Um, right. They don't leave their job so you're not retraining someone you get more referrals. It, it just goes on and on. And it's uh, it's fabulous for me because this research continues to be done time and time again to show that you just, to ignore this information anymore is to really put yourself at a disadvantage to a competitor who understands the importance Wow, I'm going through some of your client list, and you got some ginormous names on there. That is amazing. Well, thank you so much, uh, Julianne. I appreciate this so much. It's a, a topic, as I said, anybody who works is interested in their corporate culture and can influence their corporate culture. So, uh, JulianneSullivan.com, uh, AttitudeEnhancer.com. Whichever one you use, at least go there. Sign up for the free Happiness at Work survey and for your blog. And uh, my dad used to say, uh, still does say, he loved every day of his career, loved what he worked at, and he said, if you don't like what you're doing, you spend a lot of time at it. Uh, Find something that you do like, but with the work you do, you can just help people enjoy what they're already doing instead of already having to go find something else. Exactly. And and we all can do that for ourselves. We've got great power within us. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, uh, Julianne. I appreciate it so much. Have yourself an amazing day. You do the same. Thank Thank you.